So Patty, uh, the episode today, something that I think you and I have wanted to talk about now for about two years, which is ACH cash discounting. It's really cool, James. I, as I think I said to you before, I've been waiting for somebody to do this and uh, I'm really interested in what uh, Elevate uh, Payment Alliance is doing. And uh, I think uh, Hawkins was a really great interview. I think so too. I think it's, uh, I think, you know, what he's doing is interesting. And then I think the, you know, a lot of our listeners are very quickly going to see other ways to implement this to online checkout and other things, but you know, cash discounting for card, not present merchants is a reality. It's happening right now at uh, that Hawkins is implementing it at his company. And I think we're going to see this take it off like wildfire. I do too. Tell us about the insiders report. Uh, We get an update on consumer spending. I mean, things are progressing along after last year's, uh, you know, dramatic drops in, in retail sales, uh, they are starting to pick up and I think it's looking optimistic. And then uh, you have a great question from the field, James. Would you like uh, to tell us about that? Yeah. So today I'm talking about the value of a statement. Um, uh-huh. And specifically, I'm talking about how the industry, while it's still nuts about leads where you get a statement with your lead, everybody wants to pay 50, 80, $100 to get a lead. That's like, here's a merchant that's interested with a statement. Right. And I'm seeing a lot of ISOs discouraging their own salespeople from sending statements in for statement analysis. And I so know. I talked a little bit about that, you know, uh, that issue. And, you know, should you be encouraging your agents to send statements in? And when they do, what do you do with the statement? So we're going to be talking yeah. about that in the questions in the field. Well, let's go, James. Welcome to the Merchant Sales Podcast. Well, hey, everybody. Today, Patty and I are here with my good friend, Hawkins Seaman. Uh, he and I go way back in the industry here. How are you doing today, Hawkins? I'm doing great. How about you guys? Doing well. Doing good. So a very interesting topic today uh, came from our Facebook group. I saw Hawkins uh, uh, was very generous with his time and answering one of the questions from one of our users in the Facebook group. Um, and he was talking about this idea of cash discounting for card, not present merchants, where ACH is the cash option. So we're going to talk about that today. But before we dive into all that, Hawkins, um, it's been a little while since we are on the podcast. So give us a little update. Uh, obviously, it's been an interesting year or so here. Um, how's, uh, you know, Elevate Payment Alliance doing? How are you doing? Give us a little update on how things are going for you. Well, um, first of all, thanks for having me back. It's kind of neat because... We did our first podcast, uh, I think, just after we had launched the ISO, which was about two years ago. Right. And so there's obviously been a, a tremendous amount of change since then. And um, we've just, it's, it's almost been to the point of being overwhelming that it's gone so well. So it's been uh, a really exciting time for us. And, um, you know, it's uh, just uh, just been uh, we've really focused on cash discount a lot. So that's been a big part of, of what we've been doing. And, and so part of that is a lot of solutions have kind of come into place because of that focus around cash discount. And so, you know, we have numerous gateways, we have a, a lot of different terminals we're working with, but uh, really have tried to become kind of experts in that space and the solutions that are available. So, um, yeah. And by the way, back to your Facebook group, that's been really a great resource, James. It's been awesome. So cool. it's been really nice to see everyone sharing commentary and information on there. So, yeah, you know, it's funny. I was just talking to John from my team, who's kind of the one that moderates uh, behind the scenes, you know, and gets rid of spammy comments and removes right. the group. And he, has, he does all the negative stuff. I get to do all the fun stuff. And uh, I was yeah. talking to <laughs> uh, 
And it was funny because somebody had just posted uh, a question to the group, like a newer rep that was saying, you know, how do you get the social security number? You know, how do you get the merchant to add the social security number to the application? Oh yeah, I saw that. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so I, I logged in, this is like on, I think Sunday night or something. I'm like, Oh, I should put my, my answer here. I have a couple of things I do. And I started reading the comments <laughs> and I'm like, you know, I don't have anything to add. They, they, this is better than what I did. I've learned, I won't learn this. Yeah, but I was trying to get the social security number. These answers are amazing. So anyway, for those of our listeners who don't know what uh, we're referencing, uh, if you go to Facebook and just search for CC Sales Pro Community, it's a private Facebook group. Uh, there's no monetization involved. It's just uh, about 1,500 salespeople from the industry get together and ask questions and answer them. So uh, it's kind of fun. So anyway, um, yeah, yeah, so- that's really great. Yeah. So well, that's, yeah, I, I was hoping, you know, Hawkins, um, just maybe we can frame this discussion for for our our, uh, our audience. You know, maybe I'm not sure everybody understands what the ACH is, how it works. Maybe you could briefly explain that and and what a, why a merchant might want to offer an ACH option that supports cash discounting program, um, particularly, you know, a merchant who doesn't fit the physical location mold um if you could uh, if you could start off by doing that sure. that'd be awesome yeah so i mean um for us it it kind of was a, a it came just by necessity because merchants were asking for it and, and what it essentially is is that you are um offering the benefits of cash discount in the sense that you can lower or eliminate their credit card processing fees, but you're also providing uh, an opportunity to give a discount to your customer by doing an ACH. So, you know, the, the merchant is still paying the ACH fees, um, whereas on the credit card processing transactions, they would not be. And the ACH fees are much lower than they are for the credit card transaction, right? I mean, that's one of the things, you know, I oh, know. yeah. A yes. lot of people know the ACH as a direct deposit, right? Uh, you know, everybody's probably gotten a direct deposit at some point in their life, and that's an ACH transaction. But the ACH could be used for more than just credit, uh, you know, tr you know uh, what they call uh, credit credit push and debit pull in, in the parlance of the, of the industry. But, I mean, that's the thing, right? The, the, the pricing is substantially lower, so it's not necessarily a total discount. I mean, it's not eliminating the fees completely, but it's eliminating a substantial amount, right? Exactly. Yeah. So it's it's a two cent, at least the solution we have is a two cent transaction fee. And there's no discount rate on it. Right. So it's very, very attractive to the merchant. Yeah. Wow. So so let's see if, you know, Hawkins, let me kind of say this back to you and then tell me if I if I'm getting it right. Cause and you know, you know more about this particular solution than I do. Sure about ACH than I do. So I'll be the, the party that sure. kind of, let me restate it and make sure I got it right here. So what we're talking about is sure. uh, let's say that I am a card not present merchant and I want to send an invoice out to somebody that's going to click on that invoice and pay for it. Um, and I want to do a cash discount. Correct. So what I would do is I would set mm -hmm. up a normal credit card processing account. Like, you know, we have a normal account. Then I would set up a, an ACH account. And what I would do is when the customer clicked on that invoice to pay it, the customer could choose to pay with their credit card or debit card or whatever, their, their card. If they do a card payment, they're going to have some kind of a non-adjustment mm -hmm. or whatever, you know, we're calling it something like that. Correct. 
correct. Or they could uh-huh. say, I want to do ACH, and they could put in their bank account information, and it would be a direct debit from their bank account. And in that model, the co- consumer would not pay a fee, but the merchant would pay a very small, and in your example, a two-cent uh, transaction fee, they would pay a very small fee uh, to enable that payment. Is that Did I say that right? Yeah, you nailed it. That's exactly what it is. Yep. Cool. Okay. So, so let's talk about business types a little bit. So I, you know, I kind of use the example there of of an invoice. Um, What types of businesses have you been using this for? Uh, Where do you see success with it? Where do you think success might be in the, in the future with this model? Well, I kind of tried to look back at some of the examples we have. And uh, as you uh, picked up on right away, it's, it's very strong in the invoice uh, world. Mm -hmm. Merchants that do a lot of invoicing, um, that's been primarily who've been using this solution. Um, also, maybe merchants that have a little bit higher ticket because they want to give their customer kind of two different options to pay. So that's been another uh, kind of trend across the merchant types. Uh, some of the ones we looked at were also kind of more luxury type merchants. And what I mean by that is uh, pool maintenance, pool services. Uh, we have some uh, like boat. Uh, slip rentals, you know, for people keeping their boats at at docks and things like that. So kind of seem to be a little bit more luxury type services, if you will. Wow. Okay. That's actually really interesting. Um, Now, have you seen anyone attempt to implement this yet uh, as part of their e-commerce checkout process? I mean, I would imagine that's a possible option at some point, but I'm not aware of anybody that's done it yet. Are you? Uh, no, we, I'm not, we don't have anyone that's done that, but I do think that NMIs can support it. That's the primary gateway that uh, right. we're using for this ACH service. Right. Uh, but I don't know that we have any specific examples. Uh, yeah, it's interesting also because the, in the ACH world, there is a specific transactions just for web um, transactions. So it would definitely be a, a doable yes. thing. Yes, yes. Yeah, I, I like it. I think it's, uh, I think oh, it's, that's correct. Yeah, I think it'd be interesting to see if some of these checkout services, uh, you know, WooCommerce or whatever, if some of them can start to, you know, integrate because they are a lot of them already have an NMI integration. So let's, let's transition into that. It's a good, good uh, segue. So Hawkins, right. talk about specific technology. What gateway are you using? How is it really set up? Give us more of the nitty gritty details of how you're setting up a bid for this. Right. So, so the solution is the NMI gateway. Um, we've been really pleased with the gateway in general. It's had, uh, they have really good support. Uh, I feel like they're, they're very innovative. They've been very forward thinking on integration. But um, I mean, basically, you have to set up two different merchant accounts. Um, so one for the credit card processing services and then one for the ACH services. And um, when you set up the ACH, as Patty mentioned, you have to make sure that it's uh, coded correctly for web transactions is what they refer to it as, um, or, or basically where it's, it's um, yeah, I think it's called web transactions is what it right. was. Right, yeah. And That's the format. What, and it, yeah, and then once you have uh, both accounts in place, you then actually, and this is the part we kind of discovered by accident, is that you can ask NMI for specifically what they call the cash discount. I think they just call it cash discount. And that's where they'll actually set up the invoice so that, because uh, you can set up the invoices to add on a service fee or non-cash adjustment. That's pretty standard. Right. But to actually have it be tied into the ACH where 
you can send out an invoice for $100 and then it becomes 104 with the service fee. But then if they choose the ACH option, it actually will show a discount um, on, on the, the payment form. So it's really neat. Uh, the way it displays is very clean and very cool and nice because it actually will show a discount being applied. Um, right. And that's the part that's kind of that you have to specifically request from NMI. That's not something you can set up in their backend portal or anything like that. So it's a custom feature. That's awesome. So what I hear you saying is pretty much this is all coming out of the box with NMI. Obviously, you have to have your merchant account, which NMI, for those that don't know, is processor agnostic. So the odds are whoever you're processing with right. NMI, but then you'd also have to set up the ACH. I know they have very, if memory serves, I think only one, or do they have several ACH providers? Do you know, Hawkins? I think they just have one, which is PIA. I'm pretty sure it's PIA is the ACH that's how provider. It was. That's how it was about a year ago. We use NMI for our um, ISO AMP statement analysis for the ISOs that pay us. Um, and when we set up ACH with them, it was like, oh, okay, that was the only option. So, so they have the one ACH option. So you'd set up your, your mid there and then you'd set up your merchant account uh, mid. Um, and then you would go into NMI, right. add the, you know, relevant uh, parameters in there. Um, and then you would have to reach out to NMI and, and turn on. And what did you say this was called? Just It's called the cash discount feature or what is it exactly? I'm pretty sure it's just called the cash discount feature. Yeah, you have to enable cash discount feature. And okay. that's something they do on the back end. So, and then just to clarify from that point, you're saying that the merchant could use NMI's built in invoicing feature, right? Merchants that will use, um, yeah, they'll, they'll use their invoicing feature. Many of them will actually just grab the link and use it in their own personal email to send out. Mm -hmm. um, but yes, they're using their invoice feature. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. I like it. So the only other thing that I think we want to clarify here that is just maybe a little bit different than, than a pure cash discount model, the way that, you know, a physical location business might implement it is that there are going to be some fees that the merchant yeah. will pay because, you know, whenever the consumer decides to opt for the, right. they're going to be ACH fees. Uh, so can you talk a little bit about how are you, I guess my question is, First of all, is, is that the case? I'm assuming it is. And if it is, how are you presenting that to the merchants? Is there any difference in the way you're presenting that to them versus a normal cash discount deal? Well, I mean, like any cash discount deal, um, we kind of look at it as apples to oranges, meaning that you're not just looking for an opportunity to, to save them some money. You're pretty much eliminating all their processing fees. But the ACH option, uh, like I kind of mentioned earlier, it does really uh, give them a, a better feeling that they can give their customer two different options. And because the cost is significantly lower for the ACH services to the merchant, it's attractive to them. Um, right. So you kind of have, you know, you're, you're eliminating their processing fees and their cost for, for offering an additional option is, is very affordable at two cents a transaction. So it's kind of the best of both worlds. And it also, I would imagine Hawkins is, you know, I mean, if you were a, a vendor, I mean, you could go to your bank and you could sign up some for some sort of ACH program, but that's going to be a whole separate relationship. This way, you're keeping everything in the same relationship, right? Correct. Yes. Yep. All under the same umbrella. So. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like it. I like it. So. Yep. Um, yeah. I mean, it really sounds interesting, and so it really sounds like kind of the pitch here is same as cash discounting, where we're eliminating credit card processing fees. 
but we're going to also open up this other new form of payment that you can accept called ACH, where the costs are very, very minimal. And that's going to give people the other option. So it's like, we're still eliminating your fees, but we're adding this new thing. That's a much lower cost, uh, you know, payment acceptance. Now I'm guessing that you're passing it through pretty much at cost. If you're doing it at two cents, I mean, it sounds like you're not trying to make money on the ACH side. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. No, we're not. Cause obviously we're interested in the cash discount side. Right. And, you know, the revenue there. So, yeah, the ACH is just a pass through. Yeah. One other, one other follow up question I just thought of that we should probably clarify for our audience, because I'm kind of curious myself. These accounts that you've set up in your experience has a lot has a large percentage of the revenue shifted to ACH. Like our consumers actually like, oh, I want to take advantage of that so I don't have to pay the fee. Or is it still mostly credit card processing revenue? Like what have you, you have any you may not have any data off the top of your head, but just curious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really, really good question. And to be honest, I should have probably looked, but I don't know the data. I do know that uh, some of these accounts we probably would have not um, been able to uh, sign on cash discount without the ACH option. Mm -hmm. So even if there was a shift from credit card processing to ACH, that ACH option may have opened up the door for us to even get that account. So Right. Something. Um, that's a great question, but I don't have real data around it. But no, that's fine. Yeah. All of a sudden, it popped into my head. I was like, something so. about that. But that, that, I, I like what you just said, though, because that's a good point. It's almost like that's kind of irrelevant because, unlike a physical location deal where you're actually hurting the the processing volume and everything, in this case, it, it kind of is what it is. And of course, there's nothing prohibiting an ISO from charging. 25 cents a transaction for ACH or 15 or, you know, or 10, whatever. I mean, <laughs> right. you know, you're still yeah. making something on 10, right? Right. right. Or, yeah. or right. That matter, you know, 15 basis, yeah. whatever. Right. So, so the ISOs could choose to right. make sure they're protected by getting some margin on the ACH side as well. It's just that they're charging it to the merchant. So it's a little more like a surcharge compliant surcharge type model, as far as the fee structure, where, you know, the merchant is still paying some fees for the stuff that's not, you know, having the service fee. So, um, cool. Okay. So, um, right, I, right. yeah, I, I think it sounds uh, really interesting. So what I want to do is I want to shift gears a little bit, Hawkins. We've talked about this idea, which is great. Um, I want to talk about Elevate Payment Alliance for just a minute. Um, and then of course, get some info from you. So tell us about, you know, all of our listeners are, you know, I'm sure interested in this concept and they may be looking at Payment Alliance to provide that. Can you tell us what is it that sets Payment Alliance apart um, and what kind of partners you're currently looking for? Just so our audience kind of knows whether or not they should, there's somebody that might want to reach out to you. What kind of, what kind of partnerships are you looking for individual agents to 99 ISOs? Like, what are you guys looking for these days? Yeah. So yeah, I appreciate that. I mean, um, we're all, uh, our partners are all uh, uh, 1099 and um, ever since we kind of launched the ISO, we've really had a, a very, uh, a very intent focus on doing business the right way. And it kind of sounds cliche, but um, it really has been working well. I mean, we really try to have the set that we want to provide uh, a win for the sales partner, a win for the merchant and a win for the ISO and try to try to create that, um, that type of environment long-term. And so uh you know, there's a lot of relationships that I had prior with partners that I'd worked with in the industry. Um, but uh, a lot of partners have also come on because of word of mouth. Uh, we're really focused on partners who are experienced in the industry. In fact, uh, probably 100% of our partners are veteran partners in the industry. They're very hands-on with their merchants. They do their own installs. They provide their cell phone numbers for support. 
very kind of traditional model, but but very relationship based, which is very powerful in my opinion. And um, and so that that's kind of just been uh, we've been kind of selective about who we let in because it's the the partnership itself is very competitive. But we also have the stock offering. I don't know if you remember that from uh, the last podcast, but that was kind of a unique feature about the ISOs that we're offering stock to our partners and our employees alike. And um, so that's really a, a real added value beyond the regular partnership that they really can't get anywhere else. Um, we've been very transparent, try to make things very straightforward for the merchants. There's no surprise fees, no contracts, um, no rate increases. We've been buffering rate increases. So just trying to create a, a very uh, a good experience for the merchant as well in the process. Love so, it. So um, it's been great. It's good. That's awesome. So for those partners who are listening that want to learn more about Payment Alliance, maybe they want to talk about working with you guys on this ACH option uh, for some of their card not present merchants as well. Uh, where would you send them to learn more, Hawkins? Um, actually, I'd probably have them just email myself, um, especially around the ACH solution. So my email is just Hawkins, H-A-W-K-I-N-S at elevatepaymentalliance.com. So again, that's Hawkins at ElevatePaymentAlliance.com. So, awesome. So. Great stuff. Well, Hawkins, I really appreciate you taking time to do a little research and jump on here to talk about this uh, really unique way of doing cash discounting. I know uh, our audience got some good info from it. Yeah, I've, I've, I've been waiting for somebody to yeah, come, over, come along with an ACH option. Uh, kudos, my friend. No, cool. Well, thank you guys so much for having me back. It's great. So keep up the good work. Thanks. You too. So, Patty, we're talking about Valor Paytech, the official sponsor of the Merchant Sales Podcast. And today we're going to talk about text invoices. Yeah, that's really slick. I think that's a cool way to go, don't you, James? I really do. And I think it can really change the conversation with a lot of merchants that are doing mm -hmm. delivery, that are doing over-the-phone orders, where, you know, there's this delay that happens when you've got to ask for the payment information over the phone. Right. People right. are like, hold on a second. Let me go in the other room and grab my wallet and find my card. And mm -hmm. the employee is on the phone for 12 minutes to get a payment. Right. Whereas with this service, Patty, it just, what well, we just, you know, say, give us your phone number. We'll text you a link and you can pay with that. Text right. the number, they click on it, they pay. Um, you get notified and then you send the delivery out. It's such a more, it's a more efficient way of doing business. And, and it's also, I think it's, it's much more in keeping with sort of what, consumer expectations are. I mean, let's be real. You know, people are texting all day long. Right. To, you know, getting a text message is so much, it's so easy to just click on that and pay. And I think there's even a security implication. to Like, mm -hmm. I always feel a little bit odd when I'm telling somebody my credit card information over the phone. I hate doing it. I, like, I, where are you writing this down? Like, mm -hmm, <laughs> you mm -hmm. know, versus send me a link to a secure portal. I click that link, it pulls up a secure payment form on my phone. And they even have the thing where you scan your card. Right. Take the thing, scan the card. It, it preloads all the fields and stuff. So right. I think it's a much, much better way to go. Um, and again, that's a part of Valor Paytech we haven't talked that much about, which is their gateway. Right. We've talked a lot about the terminal and the cash discounting, but one of the things that makes it so unique is that it is fully integrated with this gateway that allows things like text invoicing. Right, right. And, and you know, the you just to bring up security, you know, there is, there's some really serious PCI considerations, uh, compliance considerations, because with a solution like this, nobody store, you know, the merchant is not storing that card information. Not only is it not on a slip of paper, it's nowhere in the store. 
exactly. They're not in scope at all operationally, which is fantastic. So if that sounds interesting to you, you want to learn more about Valor, just go to ccsalespro.com slash Valor. That's V-A-L-O-R, V-A-L-O-R. So check that out. We appreciate it. We appreciate Valor sponsoring the podcast. If you enjoy the podcast and get benefit from it, please do us a favor and check out our sponsor and see if it's the right fit for you. Thanks, James. This is Questions from the Field, brought to you by ccsalespro.com, the leader in merchant sales training and technology. If you are an individual merchant sales professional, visit ccsalespro.com forward slash training to get a free 14-day trial of our all-access pass. If you manage a team of merchant sales professionals, visit ccsalespro.com forward slash ISO to learn how we can help you grow. And now, here is Questions from the Field, with James Shepard. So in questions from the field today, Patty, I want to talk about a topic that might seem a little self-serving uh, <laughs> since I am, you know, a owner in uh, a company that does statement analysis services, but there are others, right? So I'm kind of speaking sure. to kind of this group and I want to talk about the value of a statement. And so um, in my conversations that I've been having over the last few months with the executives from processing companies, mm-hmm. um, I've noticed this really interesting mindset or trend that I I think is extremely counterintuitive. And I just wanted to address it and kind of get people thinking about this in maybe a different way. Okay, cool. So if I said on the podcast right now, I have a lead source that can get you statements from merchants who are interested in switching and they've provided a credit card processing statement. And then I want to send you that lead along with the statement Mm-hmm. So as an ISO, as an agent, how much would you pay for that lead? Um, most people in the industry would tell you that depending on the size of the merchant account, that lead is worth anywhere from 50 to $120. Sure. Okay. Because, you know, you're going to sell one out of three or four. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you look at that number and you say, okay, this is worth at least 50 bucks, probably closer to 90 on average. Mm-hmm. Sure. Very, very valuable lead. Well, while everyone seems to believe that, the ISOs have somehow come to believe that getting statements from their own agents, from merchants who are interested in switching, uh-huh. is an unnecessary expense and problem that they don't want to deal with. Interesting. Yes, that is counterintuitive, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, like, wait. Okay. So I'm talking to these huge ISOs, and and you know, in fairness, a lot of them have already signed up, and they're using us, and and they're loving it, and all that. But honestly, even the ones that are using us in some cases, it's like very slow to roll out to the agents, very slow to, you know, to get the agents on board with it. It's it's almost like, you know, for, for our company, you know, depending on the size of the ISO, they're paying anywhere from $7 up to maybe $10 or something, you know, to get a statement fully analyzed and back. Okay. And again, whether you use our service or you have your own internal statement analysis department, that's not the point here. Mm-hmm. The point is just, We've gotten to a point where I think statement analysis got to be so complicated and so cumbersome because there's so many variations and right. you know, so complicated that I think a lot of ISOs started to see how can we kind of minimize the number of statements that we get and or how can we, you know, we're not going to go on the offense. We're not going to say, please send us as many statements as you can. We're just going to not talk about it. If somebody needs statement analysis, they can send it to us and we'll do it. Hmm. So I just wanted to remind everyone. <laughs> yeah, like how valuable is this, right? I mean, yeah, like either it's valuable or it's not. Mm-hmm. And and what's happening is it's it's actually really destructive because of a couple of things. Number one, 
these brand new agents that get into the industry, I know we want them to sell cash discounting all the time. Right. In case you miss the news alert, they're not going to. Right. So right. there's still a lot of merchants out there that are really large and profitable, you know, potential accounts that just, they don't want to do cash discounting yet. Right. Now they're willing to get a free statement analysis done, but that sure. rep has no idea how to do that. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and then you also have these experienced reps that think they can do a statement analysis on their own. Um, on the back of an envelope. <laughs> yes. Or on their own spreadsheet or whatever they're going to use. But right. it's gotten really complicated now when it comes to interchange padding and, and interchange optimization mm -hmm. and these concepts that, quite frankly, are difficult to explain to someone, let alone represent. Right, um, right. And so now the, it's interesting that technology has finally gotten to the point to where, you know, I've been doing this for 13 years and we finally got to the point where statement analysis is easy. Right. Just drop a statement, upload a statement, and it gets done every time, every platform, every pricing. It doesn't matter. A company like ours just does it for you and sends it back within a day. Right. And it's finally like quick turnaround times, you know, good accuracy, great proposals, you know, easy, easy, easy. But now it's like the industry is like five years or six years into this this problem uh, that they've been dealing with. And it's like they're fatigued and it's like, well, we don't really want statements. You know, we'll send you the ones we get. And it's like, hold on a second. Wait. Like, is it worth it or is it not? If you're, if you'd be willing to pay 50, 60, 70, 80 bucks for a lead or from a merchant that provides a statement, are you not willing to pay eight or 10 bucks to have your own agent who actually wants to sell for you, who knows what you offer to encourage them to send a statement in to get it analyzed. Right. So my message to everybody, and again, this goes for, you're like, well, we sell cash discounting. Okay. So you're saying that you're not leaving any deals on the table mm -hmm. by focusing exclusively on cash discounting. And by the way, you're also saying that even on a cash discounting deal, you don't want a statement. You, it's not worth analyzing a statement on a cash discount deal. Really? Well, how are you going to sell them on what a great deal cash discounting is if you don't know how much you're spending, right? Right. And how are you going to present what you're offering to them? Do you have a professional mm -hmm. proposal that takes into account all these things? So my my kind of message to people that listen to the podcast or think about this, whether you're an individual agent or an, I, or an ISO, get as many statements as you can. I understand that you don't always want to get one if you're doing cash discounting, for sure, if it's a smaller merchant account. But if you're dealing with a larger merchant getting them to provide you with a statement is very, very valuable. And whether you have your own internal team or whether you're using a company like ISOAMP, go to getisoamp.com, but whether you're using our company or your own internal team, regardless, understand the value of the statement. And why don't we get back on the offense with this? Because right. I'm, I'm telling you, Patty, there has never been a better time in this industry to analyze processing statements because Everybody has junk fees. They're marked junk up. fees and padding and optimization, like tons of things. And there's technology that you can now give in a professional proposal template. So the time has never really been better to get these statements. And so I would really encourage ISOs out there, go on the offense. Let's get out there and tell these salespeople, hey, if you're trying to sell them cash discounting and you can't get them, ask them for a processing statement. Tell them you'll do a free analysis and identify maybe mm -hmm. there's optimization or opportunities that you can identify junk fees for them. And are you really not willing to pay? I mean, think about that at 10 bucks. If your agents are terrible at sales and they're brand new to the industry, have them drop seven or eight of these in every month into the into the you know system. You're going to get an extra sale from them. Right. 
Hey, what's it going to cost you? Seventy or eighty dollars? Right. Not even and then like not even that for the larger ones. It's like, who cares? That's nothing to get an account, right. an extra account for right. 50, 60, 70 bucks. Really? Like that's a steal. Or maybe you do it internally. So whatever you're doing, my my uh, you know kind of admonition here, I guess, is you know I'm seeing the industry kind of you know as I'm talking to people, some are kind of feeling like, well. Yeah, we do 10, 15 statements a month, you know, whatever our reps send us. We only have a few partners that send statements in. Almost like that's a good thing. We've gotten it to the point where hardly anybody sends us statements anymore. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Why is that good? Get them to send more statements in and they're going to close more deals. So right. if you want to increase your deal count, get more statements. We've known that. I mean, every individual agent listening to this podcast right now is saying, yes, you're right. I mean, we've, I've known this forever. Like you, you have a contact, you get a statement, you analyze the statement, you go make a sale. The right. statement is part of the sales process, whether you believe it or not. Again, right. I recognize you're going to sell $8,000 a month merchants on cash discounting. You don't need a statement. I agree. Okay. But not everybody's an $8,000 a month merchant looking for cash discounting. So right, right. encourage your reps and get statements and then leverage a service like getisoamp.com. I'll put a plug in for my company or one of the other companies out there, the technology is there now to make it accurate, easy, simple. Your reps just drop a statement in and it's done within a day, usually within an hour. And, so, and, and it comes out as a really sleek looking report that is right, worth versus, it's, it's worth money itself, right? Right, versus something that your agent is putting together on a spreadsheet that, you know, and that's the other thing too. It's funny, some of these companies I'm talking to and I'm telling them, they're like, you know, yeah, we only get 10 or 15 statements a month. And I'm like, okay, and you're doing a thousand deals a month, right? Mm -hmm. So are, do you think that your agents are only getting 10 or 15 statements a month? Right, no, right. we're probably getting 400, okay? And you're okay with them doing the analysis themselves on a spreadsheet, adding your logo to the top and saying it's accurate? Mm -hmm. Really? <laughs> yeah. Know, have you yeah. seen, you like, <laughs> have you talked to them about how they're doing this? Like, have you seen some of those spreadsheets? I mean, like I'm paying salary employees full time who've been working with me for seven years, who've seen thousands of statements and they're coming to me a couple of times a day because they're stumped. Right. Like, and your sales rep that's been in the industry for three months, you're encouraging them to analyze it themselves. Sure. That's yeah. a good idea. Yeah, <laughs> like, sure. Sure. Thinking, no, number one, have them go make more sales. And number two, you need to use a service that's going to be accurate and, and understand what's happening. So anyway, all that to say, it's just a trend I've been noticing. And I think we need to step back and say, do we want to get leads, including a statement or not? And if we do, why do we not want to get them from our own agents versus from buying them from somewhere? If the right. agents have them, you know, let's go on the offense. Let's encourage more statements. So a little bit of a self-serving question to the field today, but one that I've definitely seen a lot of and that I thought needed to be said. Very well stated, James. Thanks. This is the Insider's Report with Patty Murphy, brought to you by The Green Sheet. For nearly 40 years, The Green Sheet has been the go-to source for news, analysis, and educational tools that empower and connect payments professionals. If you're not reading The Green Sheet already, check it out on the web today at www.greensheet.com. So this week I wanted to uh, give an update on consumer spending, which uh, appears to be picking up. Uh, preliminary data from the U.S. Commerce Department shows sales jumped 5.3% in January following tepid spending in December. Uh, retail and food services sales totaled just over $568 billion um, for the month as consumers flocked to stores, presumably to spend their $600 stimulus checks. Right. Right. And uh, it uh, put actually put uh, retail sales 
for the month above January 2020. Um, although some retailers remain well off their pre-pandemic trajectories. Right. But, you know, to kind of put this into perspective, I wanted to remind people that, you know, last March, overall retail sales dropped 8.2%. And in some sectors, it was like 80%. Um, right. And then they plunged another 14% in April. Well, you know, this is significant, not only because we feel it and we know it, but just like I said, to put it in perspective, at the height of the 2008 financial crisis, the largest dip recorded was only about 4%. Mm. So, you know, I mean, so, you know, there's, there's some definite, uh, it's been definitely harder, um, particularly for some sectors, yeah. and, you know, and uh, for example, non-store retailers, not surprisingly, are doing very well, um, as are sporting goods, hobby, and bookstores, each posting about 22% gains for 20, for January 2021, um, according to the Commerce Department's preliminary data. Um, other retailers registering gains uh, above the overall average of 5.8% include uh, building materials and garden supplies, which I found a little surprising because I'm here in uh, Maryland where I couldn't even imagine buying gardening supplies in January right. uh, with all the snow, right? Uh, but they were up about 14%. Grocery stores, a little over 11%. Auto parts stores, just over 10%. Home furnishings, just over 9.3%. Um, now, sectors that are slower than... Uh, or negative rates include uh, health and personal care, which was up just a mere 3.3%. Department stores, which were down 1.7%. Electronics and appliance stores, down about 11.3%. Restaurants and bars, of course, were the hardest hit at 15.8%, uh, but a lot better than the, I think it was 80% back in March. Yeah, I was gonna say, so what is that? That's year over year? No, that's yeah, January 2021 over January. Oh, no, excuse me. No, that's January 2021 over December 2020. So restaurants were down. down from December. Okay. All right. Which I mean, I mean, don't they aren't they always down? Well, that's the thing. Exactly. Right. I mean, they're always down and they were down a lot more, you know, like a, a year ago, month over month, they were 80% down. Right. Well, okay. yeah. so, you know, and, and that's the thing. I was looking at some of the data. There's a company out there called Statista yeah. that pulls together a lot of data. And I was looking at their charts and, you know, every category that was down over December was still better than it was in March. Oh, I would certainly think so. You know, and so yeah. a lot of them, when I was looking at the data, I could see, you know, the hardest hits obviously were were uh, March and April, but a lot of, almost all of them started creeping up after April. Right, right. So, you know, overall, I, you know, how do I say, how do I see this overall? I think it's still good. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I think, you know, everybody was hard hit a year ago, but, right. you know, we are seeing, I mean, obviously you, you expect grocery stores to be up because people aren't going out to eat. So, you know, they're going to be buying more groceries. That's gonna go, the spending is going to go somewhere. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And um, I was personally a little bit surprised because I think you and I talked about this just a 
few episodes ago uh, about me uh, being so surprised at how many people buying TVs that I saw. I remember, I think I told you I was, you know, and so I was a little surprised that electronics and appliances were down in January. Um, but I think again, though, that's going against December, which is when everybody, exactly, when everybody was buying it. But I think when we were talking, it was in January and I was seeing right. a lot of people, but then again, it wasn't at Best Buy. It was at a department store that I happen to see a lot of. Right. And, and it really, I would imagine that normally those kind of things dip maybe even more, you know, from December to January. Um, but yeah. the sales have kind of driven it up. Yeah. But- and I actually did look at the 2020 numbers for that. And January was down about over December was down about 30% last year. And this uh, year down 15. And only down 15. So yeah. I think that's promising, frankly. Absolutely. You know? Good, good trend. And, uh, I think the the big takeaway is that uh, our economy's uh, you know coming back from the pandemic. I think um, you know it'll be interesting to see how the next few months play out. There's some some interesting news out there of you know there, there has been a huge um, a huge drop line in, yep. in in uh, the pandemic. Uh, you know new cases reported. Right. I think you're getting some herd immunity, you're getting the vaccine, things like that. So mm-hmm. we'll see. I mean, maybe things will bounce back even faster than some people think. But you know we'll we'll see how it goes. But it sounds like it's already uh, doing pretty well. Yeah. And I was also encouraged. I know, you know, I'm a geek. I listen to, you know, the, uh, the fed reports. I re- review the fed reports. I listened to what Jerome Powell said. It, um, he was up on the Hill yesterday, you know, and, and one of the things that he said was, you know, look at you know, numbers are COVID numbers are down. You know, the economy is still, you know, sluggish, but you know, we're not going to be raising rates for a while. So we're giving the economy, you know, the room to grow that it needs. And that I found very, very encouraging. Oh, yeah. And I also, I know you're in Pennsylvania, I'm in Maryland. Our right. governor announced today that our, our um, positivity rates were down 58% last, um, last week, which is, that's a huge thing. And then today, I don't know if you saw, but there was another vaccine approved, the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. So I think as we get more out there, positivity rates come up, people are going to be out more. I'm, I'm, I'm really um, holding out for... Uh, for a summer, a summer recovery. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I, I think at the latest, I really do. I think yeah. we're going to bounce back. So anyway, but good information as always, Patty, and uh, let's see where, where it goes, but it sounds, uh, sounds promising. Yeah, I think so too, James. Thanks. This episode of the Merchant Sales Podcast was brought to you by Valor Paytech, the technology company that is revolutionizing cash discounting and surcharging with innovative features like dual mid support, waive the fee options, and even adding non-cash adjustment charges to tips. Now, all of this is made possible by a variety of technology devices and solutions such as gateways, tabletop point of sale devices, and features like SMS text messaging and e-invoicing, all with cash discounting in mind. Valor Paytech, bold ideas, smart execution. Make sure you head over to ccsalespro.com slash valor, V-A-L-O-R, ccsalespro.com slash valor, V-A-L-O-R. Schedule your free demo today and watch videos and learn more about this amazing technology solution. Thank you for listening to the Merchant Sales Podcast. Whether you are an industry veteran, processing executive, or just trying to learn about the payment space, we appreciate your time. The Merchant Sales Podcast is a joint production of Greensheet.com and ccsalespro.com. And we hope you will tune in next week for more information and tips on building your merchant services business.